Well, today we're starting a new series called Relationship Goals. Hashtag Relationship Goals. And, uh, you know, there's lots of different things we could cover. There's lots of components in relationships. But the few that we're going to focus on this month are romantic relationships and dating, friendships, marriage, and community. And uh, in two weeks from now, uh, Nikki and I, my wife... Uh, we are going to co-teach something on marriage, not because we're experts, but because we're the only ones available. <laughs> so speaking of which, uh, you know, I don't know if you, oh, transition time. I don't, Nikki and I, uh, do you guys want to hear how we met? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because if you were like, no, uh, so, uh, Nikki and I met in college at Ashland university. Uh, we were in college and, um, the full story is another girl uh, invited me to watch, come to her swim meet, and I spotted Nikki. Uh, she was on the swim team. That's how she went to college. She had us on a scholarship to swim at a D2 school. Uh, and I spotted Nikki, you know, at the, uh, just so you know, she's more fit than me. Uh, I spotted her, you know, on the deck in a swimsuit. I was like, whoa, I got to meet this girl. And so I had my chance just a month or two later. Uh, we were at the Greek Week Olympics. We were both Greek. Uh, we did it for the community and fellowship, of course. And uh, we were both Greek, and there we were at this thing called Greek Olympics, where there's all these activities, and you compete against each other to see who the best fraternity and sorority are. And there I saw her, and it felt like this was my chance. And so she was in a group of about 10 girls, and they were all in a circle. And I said, you know what I need to do? Now's the time to go talk to her. So I like walk over and I walk into the middle of the circle. I'm sure I looked really cool. I just like, I walked into the middle of the circle and like didn't talk to any of the other girls. And I walked right up to her and I was like, hey, what's up? I'm Chris Meekins. And I, and she's like, hi, I'm Nikkei. And like, <laughs> she was like putting it back. And I was like, cool. I just want to meet you. And uh, you never know. So whatever. Bye. And so, and I like fluttered away. Uh, uh, back to prayer and fasting, whatever you do at Greek Olympics. And uh, then all the girls around her are like, who's that? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. And like from that, we started to be friends. And months and months later, uh, she didn't talk to me for like six months after that. She's like, that's a little heavy. Uh, but I've made my impression because like within the year we were dating. And uh, that dating led to an engagement and that engagement led to a marriage. And that marriage has been going strong for 14 years uh, this past September. Yeah, or August 27th. Yeah, we've been dating for, uh, we've been date, we dated for a year and a half. We were engaged for nine months, and now we've been married for 14 years. And, you know, I really like our story. And some of you are with somebody, and that's fantastic. And some of you are single. Yeah, that's who we're going to talk to today. Yeah, so... I do have a question. Uh, when it comes to your non-negotiables, the things that you're looking for characteristic-wise in a partner, what comes to mind? Shout them out. Shout them out to me. What are you looking for in a dating relationship, partner, spouse? What should you be looking for? A relationship with God. Very good. Best answer in the house. Check for <laughs> Kelly. What else, what else are we looking for? Honesty. Yeah, you don't want a liar. Hey, I'm a liar. No, you don't want to do that. Good. Very good. What else? Shout it out. Money? No. Oh. <laughs> Loving. Yes. Kind and generous. Not, and, and like so rich. It just hurts. No. <laughs> what, what else? What else? A few more. Give me two more. 
Attractive. Yeah, baby. You looking good. Funny. Hey, ha ha. You make me laugh, girl. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Kind, generous, maybe good with kids. If you want to have kids, good listener. Some of us are looking for our own personalized Nicholas Sparks version of the notebook. Yes, we're looking for a romance. This is, you know, this is still not over. I love you. Spoiler alert. In that movie, they both die. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) You're looking for someone that's maybe not easily angered. Maybe someone, I mean, who who wants to be with someone that has uncontrollable anger? Not cool. And maybe a person loves God. And you know what? You deserve that. You deserve that. If you're here and you're single, you deserve that person. And if you can find that person, you should go for it. You should be like, what's up, ma? It looks like you have unparalleled leadership skills. (laughs) You want to go on a date to sweet green? Okay, anyway. uh, So, but the question is this. We all have our lists of the things that we want in a relationship, but are you becoming the kind of person you're hoping for is hoping for. Are you becoming the kind of person you're looking for is looking for? And this leads to the first part of what we're going to talk about today, which is a kingdom advice on romantic relationships. Become the person you're hoping for is hoping for in American culture, whether it's on television shows like the bachelor, uh, bachelorette or bachelor in paradise, whatever it is, single people tend to make their lists and they create their expectations about what they want the person of their dreams to be, what they want them to look like, what they want them to achieve in life. But just a casual observation, just a casual observer can find that most Americans don't focus on their own character development while they're waiting to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. They don't think that they need to become the person they are looking for, the person of their dreams. And guess what? That's just not going to work. Now, the advice I'm going to give today helps answer that question. Are you becoming the person you're hoping for is hoping for? And this advice not only applies to single people, it also applies to people who are dating and it applies to people who are married. And you need to hear this. Preparing for love. Preparing for love, romantic relationships, preparing for love means that Jesus followers should be passionately committed to becoming the kinds of people they're hoping to meet and fall in love with. It also means that continuing to grow your love in your marriage means that married people, uh, married Jesus followers specifically, are committed to becoming the kinds of people they hope their spouse will become. And so today... I want to share with you a few things about how you can become the person you're hoping for is hoping for. Are you with me? Are you ready to do this? All right, cool. So I'm going to pray and invite God's presence. I've called today's talk, How to Prepare for Love. Uh, Let's pray and uh, get started. God, we invite you here today. We're so grateful for our one-year anniversary this past Sunday and all the great things that happened out of it. I ask that you would be with us today, God, and you would speak to people about their relationships. God, I ask... That uh, with all the worry and anxiety that exists around relationships, finding relationships, keeping, maintaining relationships, God, that you would speak to us about what's true and guide us. I I ask that you would help me to speak as I should. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, cool. So we're going to take a look at something in the Bible. But as you may know, in the Bible, there's nothing specifically about dating. 
You cannot find any verses about dating, but still, what does God think about dating and marriage? Or what kind of foundations can we find in the Bible that help us as we consider romantic relationships and as we consider making our marriages healthier and stronger? Well, I believe that I've found a foundation that is helpful for all of life, and it specifically applies to what we're looking at in terms of dating. So in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, we read this. We read in Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore, I tell you. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Pause here for a second. Worry. Worry is one of the most unproductive things that we can do because worry actually doesn't change anything. If you worry a lot, it doesn't change anything. If you worry just a little bit and you're very confident, that doesn't change anything either. Worrying doesn't add a single hour to your life and worrying about meeting someone or maintaining a relationship doesn't actually help you meet someone or maintain a relationship or break off a bad relationship. Worrying doesn't work. Okay, but Jesus goes on. He goes on to say more about this. He says this in verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is saying that everybody needs a healthy foundation for a healthy life. And the examples he uses are clothing and food and daily troubles, but it also applies to all things. It applies to our romantic relationships, maintaining them, forming them, getting rid of the bad ones, our marriages. We cannot worry, Jesus says. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And what Jesus is saying is that if you want to have a healthy relationship, if you want to have a healthy marriage, if you want to have healthy dating habits... The secret to life is not tricking somebody long enough to get them to the altar. It's not getting your numbers up and dating more people. Just got to get your numbers up till you like meet the right person. And the secret to life is not found in five sexy ways to make your dating profile more appealing to the opposite sex. The secret to life is found in the very foundation of Jesus kingdom. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom Seek first his righteousness and all, all, all these things will be added to you. So the first thing we see in becoming a person you're hoping for is hoping for, according to Jesus, is a person who seeks Jesus and seeks the kingdom of Jesus and seeks the king of the kingdom, which is Jesus. Jesus says, prioritize me. And supernaturally, everything in your life will fall into place. Trust me, and you are guaranteed to get what you need in life. You may not get what you want, 
but you will get what you need. Trust me, pursue me, and your life will be better, even better than you can direct it yourself. So what does it actually mean to seek first Jesus and his kingdom and seek first his righteousness? Well, Jesus said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, some of us may be thinking that we need to love our romantic partner or our spouse uh, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, we're to do that too, but we need to remember to put God first. And the reason that is, is because there's an issue of need in the human heart. The fact is there's no human being so well-rounded that they will be able to meet all of your needs. The deeply compassionate, kind, and generous, and gentle overachiever in a marriage or in a dating relationship or someone you're just trying to see, they don't exist after a hard day at work or a long day at the office or a stressful week or any other number of circumstances. By God's design, you were not meant to have all of your needs met in another human being. Whether your, whether your needs are emotional or spiritual or relational, they can only be met by when you put God first. Now, friends, what I'm suggesting is that since you are loved by God through what Christ has done on the cross, you are called as Jesus followers to put God first. The problem is that a lot of people misunderstand what it means to put God first. So some people think that putting God first means that you have to work harder and try harder and do better so that God will accept you and like you more. We know that this is not the essence of the good news of Jesus. Jesus did not come here to browbeat us and tell us we need to do better. And if we don't, he's going to yell at us and be mean to us. That's not how this works. God does not love you less. It's not a performance-based relationship that we have with Jesus. The good news of Jesus is this, and I have a quote from Tim Keller here. It says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted by Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That we become aware that we're really not that good, but we become aware of how good he is. And when we invite that reality into our lives, that stirs something in us. And the love that Jesus demonstrates to us through the cross, and he is alive today, we begin to experience that in a real way. We begin to experience that love and acceptance that God has for us, and it does something. It changes us. It starts to change our hearts. And as our hearts change, it starts to change our priorities, how we think about life and how we think about others. It affects what we actually start to do and say in the real world. And it means things like we start to practically spend time with God. I mean, let me give you an illustration here. Um, your heart starts to change. You start feeling the warmth and the love and the acceptance of God. And then you start spending more time with them. And then what happens? Uh, have you ever spent a lot of time with somebody and like, like they start to rub off on you or you start to rub off on them? Like you spend time with them and you start to say the things they say, you start to do the things they do. And you can tell that by your influence, by their influence of spending time with them, you begin to look and act and talk like them. Uh, we see this, that we see this with parents to children, like, well, man, they're just a chip off the old block. And we see this among friendships. And that's what happens when we put God first and we start prioritizing spending time with him. We, he starts to rub off on us. He starts to change us. This means, and how do we actually do that then? 
We spend time in God's word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time with other Jesus followers. And these types of activities, they prioritize a relationship with God. And here's the benefits of that. We actually start to change and become better. And then we're perfectly positioned by the supernatural God who transforms us. So it means that God, as you prioritize your relationship with him, it means that God will supernaturally fill you with the love that you need to love your potential partner. And when we start to prioritize Jesus in his new kingdom, we find that it spills out, like I said, in almost every area of life. For example, when we first, when we seek the kingdom first, we'll see that the Holy Spirit will come alongside of us. We find ourselves changing. We're no longer being exclusive in our relationships with others. We're no longer uh, like keeping people away. Our relationships become more porous. We become more inclusive in the way we include people into our lives, uh, the way we build people up, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we've been changed by Jesus. Our priorities start to change. Um, We stop spending so much mental energy caring about what people think and especially caring what people we don't know think. And we actually start to pay attention to the ways we can use our energy that are beneficial for the city. We start to care about the poor and the homeless. We start to get invested in what we're doing. Justice for immigrants, not because we have to, because we want to, because we've been changed from the inside out. We even stop thinking about our money as simply something that just belongs to us. And instead, we become more generous. And the way we think about how we give to the church or other nonprofits in our city, not because we have to but because we want to. And we even stop making stupid and anxious romantic relationship decisions. And we start to be open to new kinds of relationships. And we find ourselves perfectly positioned next to a potentially really good mate. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Here's the vision. Let me paint the picture of how this relates to dating and romance. When we become preoccupied with Jesus, something often happens to us that we weren't expecting. We are perfectly positioned to be content with life right where we are. And sometimes when we become perfectly content in life and we focus on Jesus, we find ourselves some mysterious way running shoulder to shoulder with someone who we might want to get with. And we didn't have anything to do with it. Someone who wants to spend more time with you. Now, what I'm proposing is that you clarify your relationship to Jesus and with Jesus. And if you do, you may be perfectly positioned to meet someone. Now, you need to hear me say this. You got to hear me say this. Please hear me say this. I don't want any emails later about this. Okay. This doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen for other people or everyone. This is not a formula. You cannot seek first Jesus kingdom and manipulate him into giving you what you think you need. It's impossible. Nor am I saying that you name it and claim it. What we call here, blab it and grab it. It's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. Jesus, if I serve you, you better bring me the the most beautiful mate ever. It will never work that way. You cannot manipulate Jesus in any way. I am saying, and the fact is that some people sell out to Jesus and they're awesome Jesus followers and they don't find a lifetime romantic partner. You need to hear me say that. 
That's the reality. But what I am saying is that you think you understand your needs. God understands your needs better. And when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, you develop that relationship with Jesus. Your life will work better. Your life will work better overall when you are at the center of God's will. So, um, kingdom advice on romantic relationships, become the person you're hoping for is hoping for. The first way to do that is become a person who loves Jesus. Here's a second way. Become a person who serves the other. Uh, there was a king, his name is King Solomon. He's an ancient king from Israel. Some people say he was the wisest man who ever lived. He once said this. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friends can help him. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Okay, this act of helping one another is the idea of serving each other. And in our current cultural climate, in America, the prevailing thought among Americans is that in order to have a complete life, a life that's worth living, we need to look out for number one, ourselves. Friends, what I'm calling you today is a very different perspective towards relationships and life. We are called as Jesus followers to choose to live for others and not for ourselves. Now, the deal is, especially if you're single, this starts right now. If you're in a marriage, it definitely starts right now. You need to be serving your spouse. If you're dating somebody, it definitely starts right now. And if you're single and ready to mingle, it starts right now by practicing selflessness, putting the other first in your current relationships that you already have. What I have found in my own marriage, what I found in other people's marriages and dating relationships or relationships in general, what we see is that you don't wake up one day and become completely selfless. You don't wake up and know how to put others first. You have selfish habits. So do I. Those don't just magically go away when you put a ring on it. In fact, they get exacerbated and the spouse sees more things in you than you want them to see. So the way we figure this out by serving each other in dating and in marriage is to start now and become the person you're hoping for is hoping for by serving each other's and weeding out the selfishness that you have in your own life. And I know that's a hard word and you may think you're not selfish, but you are. There will be days in your relationships and in your marriage where things will seem to fall apart. Cars will break down. Things will go terribly wrong at work. And sometimes you'll have bad days. Your tendency will be to want to come home and find someone or something to take care of you. The call of Jesus is to fight this tendency to serve, to go the exact opposite direction and press through and serve those around you. Serve your spouse, serve your boyfriend, your girlfriend, serve your roommates. And as you move towards others in your relationship, you will see something happen that will be helpful for you. You will not get to fight. You will not have to fight over getting what you want in a relationship. You see uh, a real relationship, uh, especially in dating and marriage. It's not a, I give 50%, you give 50% deal. A healthy relationship, according to Jesus is I give 100%, you give 100% deal. And the way we do that is not to focus on the other person, whether they're giving the hundred percent, the way to do that is to ask God, God, 
help me to serve this other person and give them 100%. And great relationships have a foundation of giving 100%. Do I do this all the time? No. Does Nikki do this all the time? Sure. Uh, <laughs> she see, she, she, she's doing this. She goes, I see you. She doesn't. She doesn't. Neither do you. But we work towards it because that's what Jesus' followers do. So that's the second thing. Become a person who serves the other. The third thing I'd like to share with you is this. Become a person who exhibits the characteristics of the Spirit. In Colossians 3, it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over these vir- all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Now, this verse, set of verses, from the writer Paul uh, in the New Testament, you could uh, spend like a whole year just talking about these verses. Uh, I am not going to do that. I'm just going to highlight two things from them that I think are important for what we're doing here today. The first is this. The first is patience. In your relationships now, your relationships now, you need to develop patience. Some of us need to chill out and be normal. It just as it takes time for a cake to bake, so too do your romantic relationships need time to awake. I had, I had to add that. It takes time for them to develop They have to develop naturally and organically. Let me tell you something. Putting pressure on a potential romantic partner has never worked. No amount of pressure will get what you want from that other person. Putting pressure on a first date literally has never worked. Why? Because putting pressure on somebody else is so unattractive. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Would you ever say, would you ever in a million years say, you know, I'm single and I'm just looking to get into a relationship where someone puts a lot of pressure on me. Oh, I just want them to pressure me and all kinds of things. I want them to pressure me into getting married quicker than I want to. I want them to pressure having sex with them. I want them all this pressure. I want someone just to like, just their very presence is on edge unless I'm doing what they want all the time. It's just, would be just, oh, and I just dream of the kind of man or woman I want to be with. It's just a lot of high tense pressure. Oh, I love it. Can't wait to meet pressure guy. No one would ever say that. No one, no one would ever say that allowing our anxiety, and that's really what this is, allowing our anxiety to put pressure on others never works, never works. So just as you would want somebody to be patient with you, you too need to develop patience in your relationships. Second thing is this forgiveness. Patience and forgiveness are the two I want to highlight on exhibiting uh, the things of the Spirit. Uh, Jesus once said this, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. In every single relationship you have, in marriage, in dating, in almost dating like tension, like maybe is this going to happen kind of relationships, with roommates, the fact is, That you will offend each other. I've been the pastor of this church for over a year now. And you offend each other here. And I get to hear about it. So good. 
So good. And you offend me. And I swallow it down and I forgive you. But we offend each other. And in relationships, you will offend each other. You will hurt each other. You will annoy each other from time to time. And when these instances happen, we have a choice. And what I'm inviting you today to choose is to choose to forgive each other. But why forgive? Why go out of your way to forgive someone even though you know you're right? And I know you're right. And everyone else is the problem. You're right. Hi. Why? Why do you forgive? The reason we forgive is because it keeps your relationships intimate. It prevents you from placing a brick wall between yourself and the other person. And eventually, after time, if you don't forgive, you will have built a brick wall between you and the other person. And that brick wall between you and the other person will keep you from intimacy in your relationships. There will be times when you're dating and married that you will be loving life and everything will be going right. And you'll think that marriage and dating is the greatest thing ever imagined. And you'll be, maybe if you're single, you'll be, everything will be working and humming with your relationships at home and your work and your mom hasn't been annoying you lately. And it's all good. It's all working out. And there will be times when you will disappoint people and they will disappoint you. And these are the times where we need forgiveness. It's times like these that were made for forgiveness. So when one of you blows it, When you blow it in your relationships, we need to be quick to apologize. Absolutely. We have to apologize, but we also need to be quick to forgive. Now, let me just clarify something here. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay to hurt me. That is not forgiveness. That is being compliant. And that will also build a wall between you and another person. Forgiveness, according to Jesus, forgiveness is releasing the hurt that you feel from the other person up to God. You say, God, I give you the pain that I feel. I give you this hurt. I release it to you. I give it away. I don't want to hold on to it anymore. The person that did this, this person that said this, this longstanding pattern with this other person, I release the hurt that I feel to you, God. And when you do this, a supernatural transaction takes place. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died to break the power of the thing that happened to you, the thing, the wrong, the other person did to you. And if you practice this kind of forgiveness now in your relationships, you are becoming the kind of person you're hoping for is hoping for. In fact, if you can become a master of forgiveness now, you're setting yourself up to have healthier relationships in the future that will be beautiful, they'll be passionate, and they'll last a lifetime. So, my friends, uh, my charge to you is this. God loves you more than you will know, and he loves you deeper than you even realize. And uh, sometimes you may recognize the hand of God or God's timing in your life, and other times you will feel like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's not answering your prayers Uh, regarding your current relationships or the potential future relationships that you have, no matter the circumstance, in good or bad times, take time in your relationships now to recognize the gift of Jesus Christ in them. And it is in Jesus that we have a perfect example of how to put God first, how to serve each other, and how to forgive. And if you're married, 
invite the person of Jesus into your marriage. If you're single, invite Jesus into the current relationships that you have so that you can grow and become the kind of person that is emotionally and spiritually and relationally mature. You get to become your best person, your best self now by inviting Jesus in now to help you. It was It is Jesus that can help us with our fears and difficulties. It was God who created you, and it is only God who can guide you towards your future. So may the incredibly incredibly appealing person of Jesus, may he enter into all your relationships, and may you experience God in your future relationships. And I believe that for you. Amen?